As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Okay, James, we are back. Uh, I don't know how many games this is. I guess they're going to play their eighth game on the weekend in Ottawa. We will not be there. The Athletic is going to be at almost every game this year. That's one we have chosen not to attend. All of the like important games late in the year in the second half, where we'll be at all of them. So, and all the playoff games, and we're. I said the other night, I, at least fans are going to get mad and they're going to say I'm going to jinx it. But we're. I, I'm starting to bank on there being a longer playoff run than last year. <laughs> well, actually, that's a good segue into kind of what we're going to start with. The podcast is always brought to you by Babsocks. Visit Babsocks.ca for your Babsocks. Um, so you wrote a story earlier this week on The Athletic um, kind of detailing their start this year and kind of how it looks different from the way everything went last year and just some of the changes. What did you kind of find out there that maybe surprised you? Um, just they're, they're, they've been a lot harder for teams to handle offensively. Like last year they were a good offensive team. Mm-hmm. They, were one of, they were fifth, I think, in goals yep. in the league. But they look so much more dangerous. If you look at like shot attempts and shots on goal, those are up. And there's been a lot of talk about how bad the Leafs are defensively. And I think a lot of people in the media just look at goals against. Mm-hmm. But if you look at shot attempts against, you look at possession, you look at uh, shots against. All those are da- all of those are better. You know, the possession's better. The uh, the shot uh, attempts against are better. Um, Freddie Anderson's just had a bit of a tough start, I think. Mm-hmm. So if the goaltending comes around. I don't know necessarily that we're going to be saying... Basically, I guess to sum it up, the Leafs are better offensively and defensively. They're similar, maybe a little... You can argue a little bit better. I don't. Well, they're deeper. Right. Like, they now... I mean, they had Connor Brown. They've got Mitch Marner on their fourth line. Last year, the fourth line was not producing the kind of push that this one is. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, I think that we've seen Matthews take the next step and... 
you know, I mean, it's it, it's interesting. It's it's just like we're dealing with such a small sample size. Like when I looked at the numbers, they'd only played six games, so yeah. maybe some of that gets mitigated. But all of the numbers, almost all, most of it, what they have done is sustainable, other than even strength shooting percentage. Which right. I mean, you look at that game against Detroit, and they were terrible. You you talked to yeah, they didn't play very well in the beginning. You talked to Henrik Zetterberg, and he was kind of like. I don't know if I want to say pissed off. He was like not happy at the suggestion that the Leafs are like this juggernaut that you can't handle because everything they threw at the net went in. That's not going to go on like like the to Leafs, this degree. The Leafs are scoring over five goals a game. That's not going to like that's going to come back to earth. And there are going to be some times where they struggle to score goals. But you know the underlying numbers say this is a really really dangerous offensive team. Do you think we? I started thinking this after the first game against Winnipeg. Did we underrate the ability? that they would take a big step offensively. I don't know if it's possible to underrate this team, but like did we underrate how good they could they be offensively? I thought they would be better. I thought they would score more than last year. Like I thought Me too. it was a safe prediction they would go from like 5th to like 1st or 2nd or whatever. But I wonder if what we missed was they might outscore other NHL teams by quite a lot. Like they might sometimes remember Washington used to have those teams and they mm-hmm. would score 3.4 or 3.5 They were over goal. 300 goals a year. Right. So they were like significantly higher than the second place team. And I think that the potential for the Leafs is there with how deep their two power play units are. With the fact there are more power plays than last year. If you're a really good offensive team and there's a lot of power plays and you're okay on the penalty kill, that could set you up to produce a lot of goals. So hmm. I wonder if we didn't we didn't quite realize. It looks like Connor Brown's going to take another step. It looks like Matthews is taking another step. It looks like Hyman's going to be a little bit more dangerous I think offensively. It's all, I think that's the biggest thing that all those guys have gotten better. Right. Like Neilander, Matthews, and Marlowe's played really well. Like yeah. Marlowe's been. It's like taking. We can talk about Marlowe declining, but he's still a twenty twenty five goal guy. You yeah. know, he's still so you you plug that in, and he's playing in place of like a Soshnikov or somebody that's, that's big, not going to produce any offense. Yeah. And then you're bumping a really good player like Brown or Marner to the fourth line. All of a sudden the fourth line is other teams are having a really hard time handling it. Like in, in the piece I looked at, at um, Marner matching up against uh, third D pairings. Mm-hmm. And in terms of possession and stuff, they just obliterate those third D pairings when Marner's getting those minutes or when Brown was getting those minutes and, you know, well, and they could even the, the funny thing is they could have an even better fourth line. I know we yes. talk about it every week, but like there's yes. conceivable potential. I think you wrote that that they could have like four lines that yes. could really be. And how would you handle that? Like, I mean, that's if it's it's a shame that like we had the back to back games for the first time this week, and um, um, they mixed in a bunch of different guys, right? Like like Borgman sat one of the games, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Moore and Fair switched out, and the goalie switched out. But they didn't work Levo in, you know. They like they could have. They what yeah. they should do is the guys that didn't play the first half of the back to back play the second, no matter what. And they didn't do like if they would have worked Levo into that game in in place of Martin, then all of a sudden you know he got. And on the second game of back to back, it's really hard to win those games. Like your win percentage is something like forty five percent or whatever. Like it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Plus the Leafs always play their backup in that second game. There's a big drop off from starter to backup on this team. Why not do everything you can to give yourself an edge? And maybe you can play that fourth line. You know, if the fourth line is uh, uh, Levo, Fair, um, Marner, 
I mean, you can play that like your third line. I mean, it's probably good enough to get more minutes. Anyway, like, I, yeah, I said before we started the show, we were talking about what we're going to talk about. I said, I don't want to talk about Matt Martin again because we talk about him every time. But here we are again. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so that actually uh, brings up kind of the next point. Mitch Marner has played on the fourth line heading into Ottawa. We're recording this on Friday. He's going to be on the fourth line again. Played 11 minutes Wednesday night. That basically is the lowest of his career. The, the the game he played less, he got hurt in the second period, so he didn't play in the Did third. he talk about it at practice again today? No. Actually, no. Um, what was the story of at practice today? There wasn't really. There was a lot of talk about Matthews and this Brad Marchand thing. Did you see that? No. Marchand tweeted that. I don't know if it, what he was trying to say, um, but he basically said that Matthews is so good that maybe the Leafs should just play one on five when he's out there. <laughs> so it, he put that on Twitter. Yeah, so there was like some deciphering as to whether it was an insult, whether it was a compliment, whether it was like a I shot at the media. Compliment. I think no, it's a shot I, at the media that oh, okay. as to what's going on. I think Marshawn's like on ice persona is like way more pesty than like like I don't think he. Do you think like off the ice that he's no, he's always pay? just been like a no, nice like, yeah, guy from was yeah. he from PEI, I think, or Nova Scotia. Nova right? Scotia, okay. Yeah. So anyway. I think he is like I don't think he is a bad guy. He, people, he's just got that. He's one of those guys with like that dirtbag reputation on the ice. Well, he's really good at it, and he right. actually is like a really good player now. Right. I mean, didn't he have forty goals last year? Something like that, yeah. Well, he didn't have forty because Matthews had forty, and so maybe he had thirty-eight or something. He was something definitely like up there. He was top five. Anyway, um, so Martyr on the fourth line. I wrote about this. At some point during the week. Um, there's like a lot of layers to it because there's there's one side of it that it's something to do with the line and the way the line that he's played on with Bozak and Van Riemsdyk not looking right offensively or defensively. And there's something with Marner. What do you think is going on with Mitch Marner? Because like something doesn't look the same and something really hasn't looked the same since the first half last year. And it just seems to be kind of a continuation. 39 goals for Marshawn. So okay. there you go. I think you, you said 38 or whatever. Um, I don't know what... Yeah, I think he looks even worse than the end of last year, though, right? Yes. Like, I don't remember the end of last year, like, saying, oh, Marner had a bad game, or what a bad play, or... It looks like his hockey IQ, or hockey sense, isn't there. Which Maybe is that's weird confidence. because Yeah, I think it is. And you talk to him, and he just, like, seems like he's just not... down. Yeah, he's not, like, the, like big personality Mitch Marner he doesn't have like the swagger that like Nylander and Matthews mm-hmm. always have you know it's 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 weird I don't know why it happened I don't remember seeing it in preseason do you remember him not looking good in preseason he didn't well the, the problem was like Matthews and Nylander look so good in preseason yeah they kind of didn't notice him as much yeah I don't know that's how I found it like Marner I I went back and looked through some of my tweets from last year in mid-February he was Top twenty-five in the NHL in scoring. He led yeah. the Leafs in scoring. He had like fifty-six points in fifty-six games or something. No, like it's that. when he got hurt uh, on Feb fifty-six 15, and sixty-one. He had or? forty-eight and fifty-four, or forty-eight and fifty-six, and he was first on the team. Like right. he was ahead of Matthews. He was twenty-second in the NHL. And he up to that point, he had been really dangerous. Well, you use the line we were just chatting about this on the phone. He was like the catalyst of that line. Right. Like he was like driving everything. Right. And that's what. Everyone was like, everyone was pushing for him to get bumped up. Everyone was like, well, they started the year with Brown, with Matthews and Hyman. Right. And the media push was to Babcock, why isn't Marner playing there? Because he's obviously like, Matthews and Marner are obviously the two most dangerous offensive players. And there were debates like on talk radio and stuff about Marner being the best of the rookies, which is like... yeah. Is like well, not do you remember even... Babcock's justification for that? And it was yeah, a really was because... big compliment. It was like, he yeah. can drive his own line. Right. 
And right. now it doesn't look like he can drive his own. No, it, no, he just looks. And that's weird. He looks lost. He gets the puck, and he just makes like really curious decisions with it. Maybe we just have to remember, like he's twenty and <clears throat> twenty, and like he's going into his second year, and like sometimes like it's hard. I mean, we think that it's just supposed to just continue to progress upward. Maybe like this is what happens. It sometimes. was a shoulder injury, right? So they never are, said, but yeah, some people are saying like. like it could be rotator cuff, like the way he went down and got hit and whatever. And I've had rotator cuffs playing hockey problems, and it like takes away a lot of like your power hmm. and probably so. If, well, he's trying to shoot. If more, it's still bothering him, said. sometimes with those injuries, they're really hard. This is just like my layman's perspective. It's hard to do surgery on a rotator cuff, and it's like a really big deal, and you'll miss a lot of time and whatever. So sometimes it's just like, okay, let's do the rehab, and let's just like. So sometimes, remember with Gunnarsson with the hip problems, it's like he didn't have the surgery; they didn't want him to. He just had to like do yeah, all of this lingered. like maintenance work, and then it really made Gunnarsson a much less effective player for like years mm-hmm. because he tried to play through it, and then he finally had the surgery at the end of it. I think before he went to St. So Louis. maybe there's some like after effect of the injury. Oh, well, I mean, we're just guessing because no one's, well, no one's going to tell us any of this stuff. But it's just like Marner, like first 50 games last year looked amazing. And he got sick too, right? Last yeah. year. At the same time he got hurt. Yeah, it was like around the same time. I think he came back and then got sick. Or maybe he got sick and then got hurt. Something like that. I can't remember. But he just... But I think it's interesting like that he, he wants to shoot more. Like I wonder if he's like maybe got in his head a little bit. Like he said he wants to make teams have to respect the fact that he can shoot too that he can be a threat shooting the puck as well he's not a good shooter no he doesn't have a great shot like why, he doesn't well, like, have why even worry shot. about that like why not i don't know just, maybe you get inside your own head maybe yeah. like i don't know i'm sure that there's got to be a part of him that wants to play with matthews oh well, yeah well and i'm sure like he I'm sure the whole league Neolander, wants to play with Matthews. well and like you see neolander having all the success and like getting in the limelight and like you're like well like i don't know you're 20 like you can yeah, get yeah, in your yeah. head but well, these guys are there's but a so, lot of confidence, ego. It's hard. Like, they all want to be. I the thought best. it was really interesting. When, How much adversity has Marner ever had? Like he just was destroying the point. OHL for years. Yeah, that's a good point too. I mean, I know he had adversity, like maybe early on in London. I remember reading some stories and whatever. But I thought it was interesting. Like Van Riemsdyk told me that one of the things he had to learn early in his career was you cannot spend time worrying about what the coach is thinking. Like you basically just have to ignore it and just actually like try to figure out how you need to play. Because he said it could drive you crazy. Like, well, and I think Marner's that. done that. I think on the fourth line, he's looked better. I think that he's played better. I think that that game against... Um, he looked good against Washington. He played well. Mm-hmm. And then he looked... That fourth line looked pretty good against Detroit, right? I mean, it's... Okay. I, I, so, I think that what Babcock has done in response to that line being horseshit, was, I think he did the right thing. I, I think that... Well, so that, that's exactly what we need to talk about. So what do you... The line wasn't like that in the first half last year. I looked at the numbers like they were slightly outscoring teams. They weren't this bad. They were really good on the power play. They were really good on the power play. But so do you think this is... You look at how badly they had been outscored before Marner got moved. And it was like 8-3 to three or something like that. With like goaltending was three or four really bad blown assignments on some of those plays. Right. So the goaltending yeah. was really bad, but they were giving up really horrible chances. Yeah. So they what do you? Good, so what do you do? You know like what's interesting too is that their possessions real high. Like Marner's yeah. possessions really high. But if you look at the JVR Bozak Marner, they're all getting relatively easy minutes. They're getting third lines and they're getting offensive zone starts. Highest on the team. I looked at it today. Uh, Bozak has something like forty offensive zone starts at even strength, and Matthews only has like twenty. Like yeah, it's Matthews double. line has gotten the most. Yeah, so the Matthews zone. line has been moved to a much more we're going to talk uh, about defensive role. Okay, what was your question? 
What do you do with that line? Like, what? Do well, you... they already broke it up. I know, but you like, get Brown this in is there, not... who's playing really well, and that's not This is not a long term solution. You're not going to keep Mitch Marner on your fourth line and play him 11 minutes. Like this, this is just a short term. In fairness, though, they're playing Bozak and JVR eleven minutes too. Like now, it's not even now. It's like the third and fourth lines are getting pretty close to equal minutes. Yes, and we're also <coughs> going to talk about that. But do you think that I'm ruining all your talking you're points that I don't topics. know about? Well, it's okay. Can, but do you think that there's something it's called a teaser? Okay. Well, one thing we talked about a lot last year is Babcock like likes to not likes he he saw no reason to change the lines last year. It was like completely static for the most part. Right. Do you think there's something bigger he can do? Play Marner with Kadri, play him like. Do you think he needs to be more creative in terms of finding a, a different fit for for Marner, or do you think he just has to hope the line figures it out? Hope Marner gets going. Like, I don't know well, why. What you can do, Jonas. Here's here's what you can do. If Marner starts playing a lot better and you have more confidence in his defensive ability, you flip him onto that Kadri line. That was the one that made sense to me. Or you put them on that cadre line when they're in the offensive zone, and you put Komarov on the line when they're in defensive zone. I don't know. I mean, there's got to be... Maybe you start mixing that around a little bit. Komarov's been okay, but that's one thing they can do to get Marner more minutes. Or if you're trailing in games, which we haven't seen a lot this year, if they're trailing in games, get Marner on that line. And then you've got more offense there. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I got got good ideas. (laughs) Okay, so you mentioned... um... I think that's... But I like the way Marner has looked on that fourth line right now. He's friends with Martin. The fourth line's productive. I, I don't know. Do you want to talk about that? The whole smelling salts thing? Not really. I don't either. <laughs> it's, it <laughs> is funny. I just wonder if that stuff rots out the inside of your brain. I literally I don't know anything about it. Have you ever like smelled that stuff? It's, I know like it's... the it kind of smells like one of those markers, doesn't it? Like yeah, it just gives you like like clears everything up and just like wakes wow. you up. Maybe we should do that before we do the podcast. Yeah, that's a good thing we should do. We should get like a. A sniffing salts one of the, sponsor. One of the, yeah, one of those weeks we're not very into the podcast. We can <laughs> not this week. This week's going to be gold. Okay, but so the, the podcast is brought to you um, by Bab Socks. I should remind you of that. Um, you mentioned by Bab Socks. Oh yeah. yeah, and sign subscribe to the Athletic. If you have not yet subscribed, send me a message on Twitter. I will give you a great deal. Okay, that's thirty percent off. I will give you thirty percent off. Yeah, a few people got to you last week. I yeah, think. people are. Yeah. So okay. I I would have thought that people that listen to the podcast were already subscribing, but apparently not. Apparently, we have podcast people that like us, and then we have people that like our writing. And there's some people that don't that only like the podcast that don't like our writing. That's okay. Or maybe they don't like paying for writing. I don't know. Either way, Mar- uh, Jonas had an awesome story on Patrick Marlowe, like a huge four thousand word feature. It's excellent. Thank you. Yeah, I liked it. I liked writing it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, there's lot, like there's just lots to him. I mean, I know he's been around a long time, but like there's a lot to his background that you just. We should maybe... probably talk about the stories we write a little bit more. If like people miss them or whatever. And... Okay, do you want to talk about that story? It's just it was just good. Like Marner's been in the league like tw- or, or Marlo Marlo Marner Mar- Marlo's been in the league twenty years, and it feels and he's played for Team Canada all this time, and we don't know a lot about him. So you talk to like the mayor of the town he's from. The town he grew up in was fifty people, it's and now so it's down. Small. Now it's down to forty or something. And that's yeah, really small. And didn't he say at one point we got up to a hundred? My favorite quote in the whole piece. I don't want to spoil it for people. I hate it when people spoil things. My favorite quote in the whole piece was uh, Marlo said the town was so small you knew the name of everyone's dog and cat, which is it, it's just like it reminds me of like 
growing up in my small town and we knew like our neighborhood like the name of the right. animal. we knew the name of the animals I remember there was a cat across the street named Gizmo <laughs> and there was like you know what I mean like right. you just knew well that just tells you like how intimate it is yeah and even the mayor is like you know I have coffee with his dad and yeah, right. like I curl with his brother and it's just like that's that's really small right. like there are small towns and that's not even a town I just I love stories like that that's they have, people sometimes people talk about the athletic as we just do like analytics and stuff and it's just that's BS that's not the goal that's not what we're doing yeah okay so, so let's keep going um, so the forward the way that the forwards are being used you mentioned it uh, they're starting to use the Matthews line more they're starting to use the Kadri line more and they're starting to use the other two lines less I think this is something you actually even in the back them to, back. to do yeah before <laughs> Well, that's why I wrote after the Rangers game. The yeah, second game of the season. I was like, why are they playing the Bozak line as almost exactly as much as the Matthews line? That is crazy. And they were terrible in that game. They almost blew that game. Yeah, weren't they, they leading 5-1 and then it went... 5-4. It went... I was going to say it went to 5-5, didn't it? I think it did go to 5-5, yeah. actually. It went all yeah. the way to 5-5. And then they scored three in the, in the third. Right. But just watching that game, it's like, why are you playing this Bozak line against a good team that it can can burn you as much as Matthews. It makes no sense. So do you think it was just like an obvious recognition of these two lines are going really well? well. Why a, are we not Maybe he's them? a reader of theathletic.com. I don't maybe. know. I'm just kidding. I just, I don't know why they didn't do it earlier, but... Can you keep doing it the whole year? Why not? Well, like the last two games, uh, Matthews' line has been at like 17 even strength minutes in a game. I think that's okay. I, I think that Matthews can play 19-ish. A, yeah, a I guess you're not going to have games where there's this few. The Washington plays. game, uh, Hyman played a little over 20 minutes, which is a bit high, um, but no one else did. I don't. I can't remember what Matthews was at. Right. I think like early in the year, Matthews was at like 17 and change, and it's too low. Like he, I looked at it a few games in, and he was actually playing a little less, or it was either a little less or a little more, but it wasn't like than last year. Yeah, it wasn't like. They had, Early last year. It wasn't were, like this, like recently where they're just driving up his ice time. Like the game in Montreal is where it really started becoming apparent to me. It was like every second shift he was getting Matthews out there. He should. Yeah. That is one of the best lines in the league. The really good teams, if you watch them, if you, I watch a lot of Pittsburgh or Chicago or, and now those teams don't have the depth that the Leafs do because of the cap and all that has done it, but like play your horses. And I think that when they get into games they got Ottawa. I mean, like, games against Montreal and Ottawa are important because you're trying to win the division. So well, and they just have... They're so much deeper than those teams. When... Yeah. When when you... And and Montreal doesn't have, didn't have the firepower that the Leafs had. I mean, Montreal played a really good game. I think when you're... What we'll see is that if you're in a game where you're running away with it and, and the score is lopsided like it was against Detroit, you can play Bozak in the fourth line more. But if you're in a real tight game against a team you want to beat, like someone in your division or a team that's... You know, you're playing uh, Tampa. I mean, like, if when they get into a game against Tampa, load Matthews up and Kadri. Yeah. Kadri's been really good. Like, load those guys up. Well, and it, the thing with, like, you, you look at Montreal and the difference with Toronto and even in that game against Detroit is, like, all he needs is, like, one shift and he takes a shot, like, that crazy shot against Howard, Matthews I'm talking about. Like, it, it, did you see where it went in? I thought it I thought it, I thought it went him. low under it, the blocker. Or uh, did it go under the No, it, it beat him here. I'm pretty sure I beat him. If you, I've watched it uh, about ten times, so you're saying it went wide. Of his Originally, mind. I thought it was a five-hole goal because he goes through the D-man's legs, and there was a hole on Howard five-hole, but it didn't. It went up like short side post. Yeah, it went right beside the blocker, not yeah, under okay. it. It went right like so. Howard's there, and he's going into the butterfly, and the blocker's moving in, and it, it, it went really well with that story that Paul Campbell wrote for us about right. how Matthews is really good at seeing where the holes are going to open up in a goalie. Well, he creates holes too. 
like how he drags the puck well through the defenseman's legs yeah, and he then, does that a lot and then he puts it short side between the post and the blocker like it's right. crazy and like, so that's no like, one would even try and shoot there most of the time like he would probably try and shoot <laughs> through the legs or or far side or something but like, so that's why you like just get him an extra shift because like he can just score you a goal actually i was talking to dello about goaltending and uh dello I hope I'm not stealing a piece he's working on. He said that like save percentage is much higher on the glove side than the blocker side because it's easier. And even if they don't make the save, you can't freeze the puck on the blocker side, right? So you're more you should shoot blocker side more often because either you're going to get a rebound or it's going to go in. That's interesting that you mentioned that. If you looked at where they scored the goals against Detroit, I think almost Kadri all was of them were blocker side. Kadri put it over that side, and they were all from the left side. Well, Hyman went off his foot. Hyman was slot, so that doesn't count, yeah. I guess. What was the other goal? Uh, Riley. And I guess that's a point shot. Right. There's one more that we're not... Actually, I was talking to Riley about how it was, his goal was kind of unusual this year. That's something I'm still working on, yeah, so I don't, I don't want to get into that. Uh, okay. You put it out on Twitter, so we'll actually go into this for a second now. Um, what did people want us to talk about? So let's go through a couple of these. Yeah, I do this every week, and lots of times we forget. To... Yes. <laughs> now we're gonna we're listening to our readers. Maybe we should name it something like Bab- listeners. Bab socks, Bab socks listener mail. Yeah, that's good. Reader reader tweets, okay. listener tweets. Um, so let's start with um some of the pending unrestricted free agents. It's a little early to talk about it, but what do you think the odds are that? any of them stay next year and if so how many well why don't we put a percentage on each guy why don't okay, we do they do idea. that on the okay. overdrive show right like the, yeah, yeah okay right. let's start with ben reamsdale okay you go first percentage that he stays 35 yeah i was gonna say about 20 25 i think there's it's a possible chance. yeah i think with jvr i think he really likes toronto he's been here quite a long time i could see him wanting to stay you get it you know if you stay you're gonna get a chance to win you're just gonna yeah. have to take less if you're Van Riemsdyk. Yeah, and you're not gonna play as much. Like that's the other thing. Like JBR he's like their are... eighth forward in right. terms of ice time. I don't know if he cares about that. Do you think he does? No. I don't know. Well, no, I, I don't think so. He seems to kind of like be on the first power play unit and scoop pucks in. That's like kind of where he. It's not a bad gig, right? <laughs> it's not. A bad but it's just like you could go to I don't know the New York Rangers, for example, his hometown team, his favorite team, they, right? Right, and they could give you seven years, and they could give you six and a half per. I don't know. I don't know what he gets. The Leafs probably can only max out with him at about five million a year. I think. I don't think they so can pay a more big than haircut. that. It, it, well, he's getting four two five now. No, no, no. But from, from what, what he, he could, could get, yeah. I mean, I think he would probably get six something. And so, I mean, you're leaving. You're probably what's he going to get six or seven year deal. I mean, if you're leaving a million a year on the table, it's it's not nothing. It's no, not, it's like it's no, still a lot I mean, of money, obviously. I mean, you know. From our perspective, sometimes, and from fans' perspective, sometimes it's like, well, I mean, you already made like tons of money. Like, what's the difference? But I, you know, it's a difference between like, are you setting up your kids for their lives? And you know, sure. five million dollars, yeah, still, still money, right? So I just, I don't know. It would be, it would be a very interesting decision if he decides to take as big of a cut as he needs to. The other, the, point- here's here's the counter argument, Jonas, to that. Like, let's say he asks for five, five, five point five. Over five years, mm-hmm. what do you do then? And the thing too is, is that if the options are let him walk for nothing, because you're not going to trade him in the middle of this year. No, you need him to help you try and win. Sure. They have a potential to win this year. Um, the options are let him walk for nothing, or sign him, and when you run into cap trouble, trade him. Yeah, 
Well, that's the thing with James with Van Riemsdyk. I still think he'll continue to be productive. Right. Really takes care of himself. Twenty eight. His new deal kicks in at twenty nine. Right. So. So can he be productive for? Uh, how long? Can, I think he could be productive into his early thirties. Yeah. He's if you can get him on net. five years at five five, I think you think about doing it. And then when you run into, I thought it was interesting Chris Johnson's story uh, at uh, Sportsnet this week about Marlowe and how Marlowe said he wants to play like the most games in history and whatever. And it's got a chance. Yeah, I mean if I mean if he can, he's a freak, right? Like if I know when they signed the deal, I wrote about how he has slowed down, which obviously makes sense. He's thirty eight years old, but. If he can be one of those like Mark Recchi, Yager guys that can play Chelios, that can keep his body in shape, and your your feature got into how well he does at uh, at uh, maintaining his body. I mean, maybe he can play another four years. But the the downside to that for the Leafs is that that makes their cap situation really complicated if he's going to keep hmm. playing. Yeah, because well, everyone said when he signed that contract, oh, he's not going to play the third year. Marlowe seems to think he's playing. Like, well, he can skate. He's still smart. I mean, if you can do the, if you have those two if things, you're counting like, on him to get on long-term injured reserve. He's like never been hurt ever, ever, and he doesn't want to go away. But I don't so know. the other question, the other side of the Van Riemsdyk thing is, do they need him? They've got these guys in the minors that like yeah. maybe you don't need to spend five and a half on your cap well, if you have Andreas Johnson or, or whoever. Grundstrom is one of those guys that's really good and tight on the net. I mean, what? To what level is it a downgrade to put a Grunstrom in there instead well, of Well, especially for the $5 million difference. Yeah. Like, you could take that $5 million and spend it somewhere else. Okay. So we didn't... We were still on JVR. Well, I'll ask you after we go through the other guys. Let's okay. go through the other guys. So let's go to Bozak. So I'm going to say, just because I'm never going to say never, 5%. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's coming back. The only thing in his favor is that he's a center, and they don't have a lot of organizational depth exactly. at center. Well, but only- I don't think... Babcock's a huge fan. The only thing... Well, I mean, he named him an alternate captain. I mean, that doesn't mean anything, but like he clearly values him to some degree. I think the only thing would be is if they decided that they didn't want to move Nealander to center yet. Right. Which I can Which I certainly could understand. see, especially with how so he then plays they have, Matthews. So maybe and it's center. not like there's a lot of great centers available in free agency. So, so maybe you give him a one or a two-year deal to keep him. Yeah. I don't know. I could see it. Maybe he gets to July 1. and He's really good on the their best, power play. The Leafs have the best offers, and he takes it. Yeah, maybe he takes a two-year deal for $4 million a year. I don't think that would be horrible. I think it'd be fine. I think they should move on from him, but... But then, like, I never actually have thought about this. But, like, what if you decide Marner or Neilander's not going to play center next year? Marner, I know that the idea when they drafted him was center, but it doesn't look like he's going to play center. Like, maybe, unless you... Yeah, they'd have you, to sign someone you'd or have trade to sign for somebody. They, and, like, yeah, you'd be opening a hole by letting Bozak go. Yeah, so that's interesting. Maybe I mean, I'll like, put it a little higher. 15. Yeah. But they, the, but the thing, the thing though that we're missing here is that they can't afford to bring all these guys back. Like it's, it's an impossibility that they sign all these guys. Yeah, that's a good point. I think they can probably only bring back one. Well, they have more of a need for a center than they do a winger. Yes. So that brings us to Komarov. Right. You go first. I want to say it's higher with him, but twenty to twenty-five. I was going to say like thirty. Say? Yeah. They're all kind of in that, like, they're probably going to bring back one, and I'm not 100% sure who it's going to be. To me, he's right at the point where I think you're, you start to move on. Komarov's the, Komarov's the easy one to bring back in that he's cheaper. He's also easier to replace, potentially. Yes. Right. Like, he should, in, in theory, by next year, he should not be in their top nine. No. Right. And he's making $3 million a year. 
Yeah, it's probably unlikely they bring him back. I just know. Like you have I know Captain that Madcock have... really likes him, though. Like yeah. he's sure. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Like coaches like just guys that they can depend on and they don't have to really worry about. You don't really have to worry about him. Like he knows what he's supposed to do. I mean, for a contract, if he was willing to take the same number, no, too high. Yeah, two, tough. two and a half. It's tough to get guys for two to years. Take a hit. Well, it's like your choice. Do you want to play on a team that has a chance to win? Or you I'm trying to think if I can talk about around. this or not? I'll talk about this. I'll try and be really vague. I talked to an agent recently, okay. um, looking at uh, getting the next contract for a, an older player mm-hmm. around the league. Not Leafs, not the Leafs, just like some other team, um, and just like being really worried about free agency. With, like, the older players. Well, because you had the guys, story early in the year. A really good yeah. story that guys need to be worried. So what's happening, I think, is that... i got to be careful. I don't know how much... I'll, but anyway, like, basically, like, guys don't want to... Older guys don't want to go to free agency anymore. Like, a Komarov, if you go to free agency, you might get stuck with, like, a $1 million a year deal. You can be... Yeah, well, look at all those guys who didn't get signed. Yeah. Like, it's very easy to become Cody Franzen where you're on a PTO and, like, you want right. to get a contract. And his deal is only, like, 600000 or something? Like and It's not very much. His agent... Do you see Brooks Like's contract? Brooks Like got a contract got? yesterday. He got a two-way deal. In the AHL, it's $50,000. That's a significant difference. And he's... I think he's going to start in the AHL, I would think. I no, mean, I think he's actually... Oh, he's, he's up he's with the Kings? right away. They well, now. yeah. Because LA had had a lot of young guys on their team to start the season. So maybe he can be like a 13th forward that slips in and plays some minutes for them. I did not think he would play in the league again. No. No. I'm I'm surprised. All right. Next thing. Is there anything else you, you want to mention? Well, actually, I was going to say with on, on uh, Komarov, Bozak, JVR... Um, who do you think, judging from what their next contract is going to be, like who do you think makes the most sense for them to keep? Like who should they keep? Now I change my tune. And I think maybe it's Bozak, just because he's a center. Unless like you're you're absolutely certain that you want to move Neil under center. Like I think that is probably a better idea. Is that the only option? Like Marlowe could be your third line center, maybe. He hasn't played center in a while. Well, he played a little bit last year, but like he is not a regular center. Who else is gonna like? I can bring you up the depth chart. I guess that Altonen guy, maybe. But so is he going to be your third line center? That's the thing. Like it's like it's not a it's not right. your fourth center. It's like your third. Yeah. I wonder who's a, if there's any Adam Brooks isn't like. No, that's not I know what's well, a problem with the Marlies. Oh, this is something I was gonna wanted to bring up. Uh, Freddie Gochi came back, played for the Marlies, yeah, uh, on the out, list. out for five and a half, six months. Well, let's just talk about it now. Brandon uh, looks great. Like you know, from highlights I saw and and the word in the AHL is that. He looks really, really good. Um, I tweeted uh, that Gauthier looks really good, and I got some snarky messages back about how he's not an NHL player and whatever. But I'm not sure. At the end of the season in the AHL last year, after the Leafs sent him down, he had a really, really good finish to the year. That a is, good enough finish that that is the AHL though, right? But the guys that are dominant in the AHL can typically, at a young age, can typically play in the NHL. So. Mm-hmm. In the organization, in the Leafs organization, there's a belief that Goche can be a fourth line center. Okay. They were they didn't know with the injury what was going to happen, but he looks good. So anyway, so that doesn't really solve the problem, the Bozak problem. No, it's if it's, he's your fourth it's, line. It's center. actually really interesting. I'm gonna now I'm gonna have to start thinking. About I've been thinking center. about this for months because it's like it seems he's like not one I've thought. Like I just assumed. it seems like a no brainer that they move on from him. But yes. they, then you're just opening a spot a hole. Right, and so I guess the domino is, let's say you decide to move Neilander down as your, th- your whatever, second or third center. 
then I guess you can move Marner up to play with Matthews. Like, that's the thing. They can they can yeah. fill the hole pretty easily. That's what happens when you're good. So there's Yeah, that. that would be a pretty easy solution. If And if, maybe that solves the question that we were asking before. And maybe you play Nealander and Kapanen, you play Matthews and Marner, and you have Kadri and Marlowe. The only problem with that is if, like, let's say Matthews and Nealander have, like, insane years. Let's say Matthews has 90 points and Nealander has 75 or you whatever. Have to pay. Well, no, do you want to break that up? Do you want to, like, try something different? Well, it's it's kind of the question that... I'm it's looking at free agent centers here. Okay, well, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of what happened in Edmonton this offseason. Like, Dreisaitl started playing with McDavid. They were really good together. You're not the de- They're not anywhere near as deep as Toronto. So moving Dreisaitl down as a center makes some sense because it gives them some depth. But then does it take away from what made those two guys so good? Or can McDavid just play with anyone? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Okay, options at center for the Leafs next summer. Joe Thornton. Paul Stastny, Henrik Sedin, Thomas Plakanich. I'm just naming all the UFAs. Thomas Plakanich, John Tavares, uh, Philpula. There's Bozak is is eighth among salary for pending UFAs. Uh, Michael Backlund from Calgary. Kyle Turris. A lot of these guys are going to resign with the teams they're with. Lars Eller is someone they could pursue from Washington. Is a good third line center. Uh, the return of Matt Stajan. That ain't happening. Uh, Mark Letestu, Antoine Vermet, Jay Beagle, Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah, but he's not really actually, he's not really actually a center either. Yeah, um, not a lot, not a lot. Unless you want to bring in a Lars Eller or something like that. Unless so I'm missing somebody, I'm sure people on Twitter will be yelling at me when they're listening to this. What I'm missing. So there you go. Like it's not maybe it's not the slam dunk case that maybe we thought it was, or I thought it was. My only counter to that is, I think I don't. My think counter to that is that like, like there's some negatives with Bozak as well with like the defensive play and for all sure that. Sure, there is. If they had a better fourth line, then you could live with it a little bit more because you could just shelter that third line. But anyway, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to give Bozak another deal. The only thing that does make sense is that you need someone else to play those minutes. But maybe maybe you just move Nylander down. Yeah, well, like, I'm playing with the lineup now. Like, you could have Hyman, Matthews, Marner, Marlowe, Kadri, whoever. Whoever, if let's say Van Riemsdyk, Nylander, Kapanen. I don't think that's going to happen. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you're so deep that you... You, if you, you forgot Nylander Brown. Down, like, Brown will be on that Kadri line or, right. or somewhere else. So there you go. I think so I Brown, Brown could actually play on the Matthews line as well. Because he did that at the beginning of last year, and that line did pretty was pretty effective. Yeah, so you, but the point is, like, you have options. You don't need to. So he, I don't know. It's an option. I don't. I just maybe it's a bit more of an option than I thought it was. I guess it's I their choice. How, how good you, is Nylander going to be as a center? I don't know. He has. A, he's never yeah. played center in the NHL aside from like a handful of games. He played two or three or something. And so, and the other thing is, like, do you really want to break up maybe the best combination? In <coughs> That's the what I'm saying. Yeah. So, all right. Let's get to a couple more things. Uh, Curtis McElhinney played his first game of the year. He looked. He looked Just like okay. he looked like he hadn't played in a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Calvin let, let Pickard played his first game with the Marlies and was outstanding. Okay, so by December, let's say Christmas, is McElhinney still the backup? Do you think? I don't know. Or do you think it's Pickard? I think that McElhinney probably gets a little bit longer leash than Jonas Enroth got last year. Because he's six <laughs> two. 
<laughs> not 6'3 anymore. Yeah, he was 6'3 last year. Now he's 6'2. So Mike... if he keeps shrinking, Babcock's not going to be a big fan of... <laughs> <laughs> he's still 6'1 in the net. Yeah. Curtis McElhinney is a very nice man and sure. a very mediocre goaltender. So, yeah. I mean, now there's some real push from Sparks and, and Calvin Pickard and with the Marlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that by next season, McElhinney's not the backup. For I don't sure. know what's going to happen this season. I bet you they muddle through with him as the backup. Well, the thing is, like, he's not going to be playing a lot. So. Did you see McElhinney's quote about, oh, it's nice to have run support. Yeah, well, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> if they scored they four scored goals six. in the first period, yeah. So the first 16 minutes of the game, they had The thing is, like, like you said, like he's not going to play enough that it'll be... In, like, if he plays five games and it's terrible... Are they going to give him the Enroth treatment? Probably not. They should. They, yeah. Well, they should give him five to seven games. And why do you think teams so underrate their backups? Like, I think it's just like an old school it. mentality. I think it's old school. It's a like you've pointed out. It's a quarter of the year. Yeah, it can be the difference if you have a really bad backup or a really good backup. It can be the difference between like making the playoffs and not. For sure. Look at L.A. L.A. had well. I mean, I guess goaltending wasn't the reason they missed the playoffs, but. Like your goalie gets hurt, and well, look at the look at Pittsburgh. The last two years, they've won the cup. They've had to yes. use their backup both times. And Perfect example. Them. Perfect example. Carolina won with their backup, won the cup. Chicago won the cup with their backup because they had, they had Huey and Yami. Remember when Philly was yes going on runs? They used both their their goalies. They were both not good, but like they had to use Layton both. and Boucher. Yeah, I think so. Brian Boucher. Those were yeah. Those were the JVR days. Brian Boucher, the broadcaster. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Anything so yeah. else? How long have we been talking? You talked about the goat. There's one other thing I wanted to bring up. Actually, two, but I'll save one for next week. Um, after the Montreal game, I wrote kind of about the start to Matthews' year and how it's better than last year's. Mm. Do you agree with that premise? And yes. So why? He's, at, he's in much tougher situations than he was last year. He looks better. He just looks... Don't you remember last year yeah. was like a little bit like, oh, what is this guy? I know... Well, he had the four-goal game. I mean... He had a drought in November, I think, mm-hmm. last year. 13 games. Was that when the drought was? Yeah, it was like November, December, I think. Right. He had the real, he had, the then really he had another one in March, first right? first 10 games. Yeah. There was still some doubt around, not not like Matthews isn't good, just how good is Matthews. Well, until Until like January, really, December. I thought it was interesting and maybe like I was, I thought it was interesting that even after he has this four goal NHL debut, that teams were still using their best D against the Kadri line. Like, it was like still like he had to earn more respect with, with teams. Is that surprising They weren't to you? watching close enough. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's a rookie thing. Like, you're just like, I'm, I'm not going to... He's a rookie. I think Matthews was, like, underrated the whole way through. And I think people kind of thought he was going to be, you know, like a Nathan McKinnon or whatever. Not like... Or a Taylor Hall or, like, a good, good guy. So maybe they thought, yeah, he's a rookie... Yeah, he's a one number one overall pick, but it, this like this guy isn't McDavid. This guy isn't Crosby. This guy isn't Malkin or whatever. But anyway, I mean, we're sitting this year now. Teams know what they're teams are scared of Nealander and Matthews. They don't teams Wouldn't don't be? teams don't know. I I saw uh, it looked like Senators fans were discussing the game tomorrow, uh, and they don't know who to match up against Matthews and Nealander on D. Like you're going to throw CC up against. Like, well, Carlson, whoever Carlson, right? 
I think that's your your best. It's bet. gonna create lots of matchup. What's so for... interesting to me is like how much they're starting him in the defensive zone, and it's really smart when you think about it. They just get the puck back, so they're gonna get it back, and then they're gonna get it out, and then they're well, they're at about fifty five percent possession with like thirty something percent zone starts. So it's crazy, right? But it's pretty good recognition on Babcock's part, like just because they're this really dominant offensive line. Like Babcock was talking about it today, that through the neutral zone, Matthew is just on another level. Like how. Yeah, he doesn't really lose the puck in the neutral zone that much, does he? He's powerful. They just back off. They give him space, and they back off him a lot of the time. Well, because he can. It's like in basketball. He can. He can no crossover, but like he can. He can make you look really bad. Right. Nylander did that in the Washington. I don't think you saw the Washington game. Nylander did that right off the top of the Washington game. Split the D, and it was just like it was really pretty. Orpik looked ridiculous. It's a, yeah. Well, it's so much skill and it's so much speed, speed. and power. Yeah. It's funny watching Matthews uh, when I watch him live. He doesn't blow me away speed wise. Like he, I think that maybe because he's so big. Yeah, but he has like a burst where it's, it's like, like when people talk about like some other big guys, like like Brick Nash and whatever. That the guys that are like six four, six five. Mm-hmm. That yeah, a burst is probably right. It's not like the McDavid burst, but there's a burst that I, he has. I was him. talking to Matthew's uh, skills coach that he's had since he was a kid. That uh, Boris, I can't pronounce his last name, the, who's uh, Ukrainian, and he was saying that what Austin really wanted over the summer was to get more explosive, to get more powerful in his skating and just to like really be more dynamic. And I think we see a little bit more of that. Kind of reminds me a little bit maybe of Tavares. People were critis- critical of Tavares' skating coming into the league. And he I, got I an don't... extra gear. Yes. But he wasn't a good skater coming up. Right. I'm not saying Matthews isn't a good skater. I'm just... I don't know. I don't know what you think. Like when I watch him live, it's not. he doesn't look like Neilander. He doesn't look like McDavid. He doesn't look like... He's not like... Blowing through everybody. But when he gets the puck on his tape, like it almost seems like it's it's really difficult to get it back because he's so skilled with it. He does like a one hand sick handle a lot of the time. He can like he even, can turn his shoulder to a guy and hold it really well. Yes, protect it. But yeah. even that move he does that we talked about before, that's the one thing in, in asking his teammates about his shot that they a lot of them brought up. How he does that is really hard. Like how he drags. Well, he the pulls puck. it into his skates and yes. then and then and shoots then it top corner. Yeah, like that's really hard. I think he worked on that all summer. I think it's just like... Maybe that's worthy of a story at some point. Yeah. Well, We're getting some ideas, so we don't want to spoil them. Yeah. There's actually more. Hopefully our competition doesn't listen to this. I think we can count on that. Right? No? <laughs> no I, don't, I don't know. Who knows? All right. Well, I think that's all we got. Uh, we'll be back next week. The schedule is a little lighter next week, so we'll have some time. Maybe Thursday? Well, don't they play Monday, Wednesday? Yeah, and then they don't play again. Ottawa, Saturday... Monday, Philly. Wednesday, the Wild, I think. Is that right? I have my schedule here. When, and then they're you, home on the Saturday. Well, Philly. Yeah, <coughs> I'm going to California. And then they are in. Then they got the California trip, which used to be like, oh no, the California trip. Uh, Carolina. On, on Thursday. <coughs> Jonas is dead, so I'm going to say goodbye to everyone. Thanks for listening. Please don't make any Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle.